Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Let Fear Bounce. This is your host, Kim Langling, an author, freelance writer, and of course, podcast host. So glad that you are here. Please help me welcome in my lovely guest for today. Her name is Melissa Rolfs. She is a certified holistic health and life coach, helping busy women break free from the sugar and stress eating so that they can be calm, confident, and in control. She is committed to empowering women to break free from dieting, emotional eating, and self-image issues so that they can ditch that diet mentality and feel empowered in their own skin and be free to be who God made them to be. So let's jump right into it. You're a holistic health and life coach helping busy women break free from the sugar, stress, emotional eating. My first burning question is, why did you go that direction? Yeah, that was my story, Kim. I used food and specifically sugar to cope with feelings that I didn't know how to deal with, I didn't want to deal with. So I kind of used that to push them down. And it started in my childhood. I can remember hiding food in my room when I was about eight. And um, we had some little rodents that came in and tattled on me because they pooped on my bed. And I got in trouble for that. (laughs) But that's my earliest memory of really using food for comfort or some other purpose than nourishment and fuel. And so I think that was a pattern that started in childhood and carried with me through marriage, motherhood, until I discovered that I needed some help and and found freedom. So that's why I do what I do. So what was the emotional roadblocks that you were trying to tamp down with all the sugar and such? Oh, I mean, almost everything. There was anxiety. There was fear. Fear was a big one. Um, I lost my dad when I was two. And so I think because of that abandonment, not that he did it intentionally, but I think that created, you know, an open part in my heart. And I was fearful that my mom was going to die. And I remember, you know, as a little girl, not being able to sleep because I was worried that something would happen to my mom and I would be an orphan. Um, So I think that was probably the first formative thing that really kind of started that, but there was fear and anxiety, worried what other people would think, worrying if I was good enough, if I was doing enough. I mean, it was just this internal turmoil almost that I was just trying to push down. So you didn't think it sounds like you didn't think you were good enough for anything. Pretty much. Where would that have, that thought process have come at such a young age? Was that something within your environment that, that steered you that way or that was just you that was your fear from being such at such a young age you just this fear just morphed into all kinds of other things I think it was probably a combination of both and honestly I think that it was kind of a double-edged sword um because I think if you are in an environment where there isn't a high value or high self-esteem or high self-worth and that's not projected I think it's easy to kind of fall into that then combined with the fear and the anxiety um, and plus just kids being not so nice sometimes, I think that kind of was the compounding effect. Right, right. So were, were you bullied as a young child or in school? Or? I hate to say the word bullied, but I do remember very specifically. So my family, I'm from a very small town in the Midwest and there was, it was an agricultural community, kind of rural and my family happened to live in town and there were a couple other friends that all of our families lived in town that's just where our families lived and then there were some other friends who didn't live in town and they lived in the country and on the farm and i remember at recess one time there was this 
disagreement because this group lived in town and we were snotty city kids and this group lived on the farm and they weren't and it, it just felt very divisive and kind of ugly and these were my friends right right i you know i grew up in the same type of environment in a very small country town small school everybody knew everybody and yes. the ones who and i lived near the school so i was considered a townie mm -hmm. yep and you know our town was literally 1500 people but I was considered a townie. And then most of the folks lived on farms, working farms. So there was there was that little bit of a division in there and the way you were looked at or looked at each other. It's yeah, interesting dynamics back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so with the, with the, did you struggle with your weight through through this whole journey, and it sounds like it was for years that you that you dealt with this. So, did you did your weight fluctuate? Did you become very heavy? And I mean, I can't imagine eating all kinds of sugar and using food as your comfort could have been very healthy for you. Right, right, absolutely. And I was. There are pictures of me as a child, and I'm a little bit chubby. I'm a little bit chubby. Um, so I definitely struggled with weight. And then you know, through middle school and high school, you become very self conscious as a young girl and you want that attention from boys maybe or you don't so there was this you know i almost went the other end and i was not eating for a while in high school so i could be thin enough to get that attention from boys um and then like it just was always like this one end of the ditch to the other almost like there was never a really healthy balance with it until much later in life for me that's a long time to carry that so yeah. what what made you decide you know what i have to make a change there were so many things that happened and i think like the kind of the moment kim where i hit my knees and i was just like okay i really need some help here was um we had a newborn baby who wasn't sleeping and we had a two-year-old who had some undiagnosed food allergies and some sensory processing challenges my husband was traveling for work and I was just diagnosed with PTSD as a result from childhood trauma. And so my go-to during this overwhelming season of motherhood and raising kids and being away from family and husband traveling and all of that was sugar. I was eating Oreos in the pantry and living off of lattes. And the PTSD diagnosis is really kind of what changed it. Um, I was meeting with a therapist and we tried Prozac and it didn't work for me. It works for some, but not for all. For me, it didn't. So I pursued a meeting with a naturopath and we did some vitamin and mineral testing and everything was in the toilet because of how I was eating. And so she gave me a lot of supplementation. I continued with the therapy, um, but food was never really addressed. And so for me, that part of my journey came probably two years after that on my own because I wanted to lose weight. I was at a point where my kids were a little bit older. I had some me time. I'm like, I really want to figure out this food thing for my family. My, my daughter has food allergies. They came from somewhere. They came from me. I got tested for that. And so that really kind of transformed the way that we ate as a family. And that's really kind of where my weight loss began, but it wasn't ever the intent to lose weight. It was more about the healing from the PTSD and really getting healthy and being a good role model for my kids and being active and able to keep up with them and not telling them to not eat junk food, but then me eating junk food when they were right. in bed. So, <laughs> right, right. So you mentioned PTSD. You, mm -hmm. you, you threw me off with that a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> Nope, no, uh, because I, I, I too live with PTSD. Okay, okay. So I'm very, very familiar with it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I believe it's, 
it's all in, you know, it takes, takes a lot of time and mm -hmm. fortitude to realize what your triggers are and how to stop them in their tracks or at least flow with them when you can't. Um, I also believe that PTSD, for me anyway, it doesn't go away. It becomes a part of you and you become a part of it because it's part of your past. You can't, you can't wipe out history, but you can learn how to live with it and recognize it and deal with it in a healthy manner. I was one who, as you had mentioned, you had said, you know, you found yourself on your knees. I was the same, I was that same person in that same spot on my knees, crying out to a God at that time I did not believe in. This is my mid thirties. So I call myself a late bloomer. <laughs> and uh, so I know that feeling. You, I mean, you were, things that you were saying, I'm just sitting there, it's going ting, ting, ting. Um, but your PTSD, why were you diagnosed with that? I think it was a combination of my father's death. So I should back backtrack a little bit on that. My dad didn't like die of cancer or he wasn't in an accident. He was murdered in my really small Indiana town. Um, so I think that was a traumatic experience. I think when that happened, there were some changes made in our family to our family dynamic that created somewhat of a toxic environment. I think that is a part of it. Um, yeah, so I think those those probably two things combined with my low self-worth, I think was just the perfect storm. When you said that your dad um, died when you were two, so the adults in your family unfortunately played a part in all of that because at two years old, you can't grasp all of that stuff. What's a tough thing? That's very, very, I really, there's no words that I can say. Um, but it's lovely to see that the person that you are sitting here today and you've, you've faced all of that and you're, you're moving forward. You know, you've got your crown on lady. Um, you. You, got, you know, you've got your crown on and you're letting your light shine. Well, it's and, because I have a God that put the crown on and I feel like, can I just tell you a really quick story? <laughs> um, if people was, could see, if this is just audio, but I was just sitting here with my hands in the air. <laughs> there has been so much redemption in that because I think losing my dad at a young age, Kim, I didn't have the opportunity to know him. All I knew were what people had told me and what the newspaper articles said and the pictures. And so I don't have this idea of who my dad was. It was just what was told to me. And so at one point in our journey, we actually moved back close to my hometown and um, I had a mentor, a spiritual mentor, and she was really instrumental in my healing journey and prayed for me. And she said, I feel like there's going to be so much redemption for you in this season. And so what that season meant to me was really discovering who my dad was and reaching out to people that he had gone to college with that were in his fraternity and who knew him from a different perspective than I had been told. And so to hear those stories of who my dad was were so beautiful and so touching because it gave me the full picture of who he was instead of just this piece that I had been told. Right. 
So where did God come into play on all this? Well, he was there in all of it. Absolutely. But did you, did you realize that? I did. I did. Um, I think the hard part and maybe where I questioned, so I came to faith in college, um, is why did that happen? And I think that's probably a part of why my childhood was so rough because, you know, you're, you're told, you know, God is good and God is faithful. But then when this big traumatic thing happens, you're like, well, well, how did this good God let this happen? And why did this happen? And we can justify it and rationalize it and all of those things. Um, so I think that was really hard for me, but when I came to faith and I learned who Jesus was and that he loves us and he cares about us and he wants relationship with him and walked through relationship and not religion, that transformed everything and really helped me understand, you know, he is there all along. He didn't want that to happen. That wasn't, you know, he didn't cause that to happen. It did happen because we live in a fallen, broken world. Yes. And unfortunately we do. <laughs> unfortunately and we do. have the consequences of that and I think my trauma is a huge piece of that <laughs> yeah you were unfortunate consequence that fell upon you um yeah life is life is interesting at times isn't it <laughs> it is <laughs> but then you know I I look at things uh from my past and stuff and in the incident that I went through um years ago um I, I was sexually assaulted while I was in the military. I look and I didn't, I didn't address it for 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a professional wall builder, but um, that was almost 30 years ago. So I look back on that journey as bumpy as that road has been and so filled with potholes. I look back now, hindsight and say, oh, all right, I, I see why I see why you had me take that path. Because if I had not, now would I wish that on anybody? Oh my goodness, no, never, ever. But if I had not been on that particular journey and the bumpy road to where I am today, there is no way that I would be out there sharing a story like that to women who have been through the same thing and giving them that spark of light that they thought that was, they were never going to find again. And then I see, okay, you were there, God. I just wasn't looking. I, I kept him away. It's not that he kept away. He stayed away. I kept pushing him away. You know, I, I often say, you know, I was crying out to God. I didn't believe in, but how can you acknowledge a God that you don't believe in, you know, how can you cry out to a God that you don't believe in? You know, it doesn't make sense. And once that, once I got that straight in my head, I'm going, Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? And that's why I laugh. I say, I'm a late bloomer, stubborn, stubborn, stubborn. But the journey that we all take and to where you're at, it sounds like you're thriving and you've got a, you've got a business that you are helping others that go through the same type of thing, you know, with, with, um, now do you work with, you have emotional eating. Does that expound upon emotional eating? Is that like overeating or eating and purging? Because personally, when I'm stressed, I don't eat. I just, I I don't do the opposite. (laughs) Yes. I am completely the opposite. I, I don't, I actually forget to eat when I'm stressed. Okay. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I was working with a client and we were discussing this and she goes, I guess I'm an emotional eater. She goes, I thought that if you're an emotional eater, when you're not happy, you eat to feel happy. But what her story was is she found herself when she was stressed, she would really crave cheese and crackers and she hates cheese and crackers. <laughs> and so we did some digging and I'm like, what, what, do the cheese and crackers represent? Like, can you think of why you might go towards something you hate when you feel that way? And for her, they symbolized a time in her childhood where she was happy and people were together and everybody was at peace. And it was just a really happy time for her. So when she wasn't feeling that happy time in her, in her current reality, she would default to the cheese and crackers because those foods symbolize that for her. So I think it's using food to look for a feeling or to stuff a feeling or really for anything that's not fueling and nourishing your body. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. It really is because we have a very strong emotional attachment to food as a society, I think. <laughs> and I don't think people, they don't realize that or acknowledge it, but it's true. There are, certain, so there are certain, yeah, then there are certain things that I eat, you know, that, you know, just eat normally. And speaking of the emotional connection to it, there's a certain type of baked beans that every time I eat it, I automatically think of my grandma because I thought she made the best baked beans ever, ever, ever since I was just little. And it took me until I was in my forties to figure out how she made them. And the first time I made them, I was going, it's grandma's beans. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I make them that way now all the time, but I was constantly trying and, you know, and it was this, this emotional thing. I'm like, if I could just get these to taste how grandma did. And now every time I have them or, you know, make them and eat them, not that I make them to overeat, but I just yeah. make them because I like them. I get such a, this, this wonderful feeling. And it's like, you know, thank you so much, Graham. You know, and it just gives, it brings a, a, a nice, you know, gives you the warm fuzzies, <laughs> gives me the warm fuzzies. So the emotional thing, I definitely, yes, just like with food, music, places, mm -hmm. all of that, that emotional mm -hmm. connection. Um, we just have to figure out and work at keeping the negative emotions and the bad ones from songs and food and smells and places, make sure we're able to be healthy in the way that we separate them. Absolutely. So do you help folks do that? And I'm sure that you've, you're talking to people that have, they struggle with food, you know, yeah. and how they use it. And there's always, always an underlying thing. Do you run into, I'm sure you do, you run into a lot. Do you ever run into issues where you're like, you know what, this is beyond what mm -hmm. I can do. Um, you've got this underlying issue that surfaced and you and you have to you, you you guide them to get additional help as well I haven't been in that situation yet um, but I'm very firm on this is my scope of practice this is what I can and cannot do and if it's beyond me I'm happy to refer to somebody that I trust because um, it's a real thing I mean there's yes. you know absolutely there are all kinds of things buried that we bury that we don't even realize are still in there yes and it, the body remembers you know you were talking a little bit earlier the body holds on to that trauma yes and it's just you have to learn to in a healthy manner deal with it and accept it because you can't you can't cut out history right you just right. can't we but, try to 
Yes, we do. <laughs> I had a grandma once, Kim, who she would put the outlaws on the family picture. So if there was a divorce, she could cut them out. <laughs> she was done. <laughs> cut them out, done. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There's usually an underlying relationship or something that has impacted it for sure. Family dynamics are amazing. Mm -hmm. and, and it's all that we know because that's what we come from. And I think we think that that's normal and everybody's like this until we go out into the world and we're like, oh, wait, what's going on? <laughs> so that's not normal at all. <laughs> oh, I've thought that I've thought that a couple times. <laughs> yes. Well, now we, I joke with my mother now um, because I'm like, you know, what? I'm in my 50s. I'm just going to tell her whatever's on my yeah. mind, you know, yeah. and the one time she was getting angry and I just started throwing stuff at her. And then, then we both started laughing about how ridiculous we were being. And I looked at her and I said, mom, you know what? I didn't sign up for any of this. <laughs> so that's the, that's like the joke line that we use now. If mom starts going off, we're like, you know what, mom, we didn't sign up for any of this. <laughs> you borrow this. <laughs> so that's kind of the joke. And thankfully she takes it and laughs. Um, probably if I had tried that in my thirties, she probably wouldn't have found it funny. Right. Right. <laughs> but I, you know, we like, we like to say, okay, she's, she's in her late seventies now. So hopefully she's mellowing. Right. Right. <laughs> All right. So you have, you said you had mentioned that you've got kiddos. How many kids do you have? We've got two. We have a 12 year old daughter and a 10 year old son. You're busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how interesting has, ages. <laughs> that, that, that's why I just said you're busy. <laughs> My daughter's 30, so I'm I'm okay. past all I'm past all of that. Um, you made it through. <laughs> I did. And she and she's a successful young lady and just bought her own house on her own. And yeah, she's doing well. So I can't complain. I, I did something right, that's for sure. So how has COVID this whole time? Um, affected you and your your family? You know, it's interesting, and I'm really, really thankful. We have had a lot of consistency during this time. I know a lot of people have not. Um, our kids' school has met five days a week in person. Um, that's been a huge godsend. Um, my daughter does private horseback riding lessons. She's been able to do that the whole time. Our son has been able to do flag football by the grace of God, so I feel like the biggest change for us has been my husband working from home, but that's been okay. So I am so thankful for that. <laughs> you really are blessed. Because mm -hmm. here it's not like that in, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's not like that at all. But then, then I sit there and think, you know, I don't have kids. So I don't have to, you know, kids in school anymore. And I don't have to worry about that with the homeschooling that's going on with so many people or in this area they're doing like one day in school and one day homeschool. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that doesn't even make sense to me. It, it just confuses everybody even more, but it's so different in each state. Yes. And then in each country as well. I know each in, county for that matter. Well, yes. and I mean, yes. Even here, like my kids are at a private Christian school. And I think that's why they've been able to be open because it's smaller. Whereas the public schools have not been open. So even in the county, oh, okay. in the city, it's, there's no consistency. 
Okay, gotcha. Yeah, smaller schools and private schools, I'm sure it is much, much different. I was speaking to some friends um, that I made throughout this crazy time frame that are in um, the United Kingdom and they're in their third lockdown and it's very yes. strict, very strict. Yes. And I, I sit there and think, I'm very thankful mm. for how it is here. You know, I can go to the grocery store and get my stuff whenever I want. Yes. There's no set time that I'm allowed to leave the house, you know, or have, you know, get reprimanded or a fine or arrested or something. Um, just crazy, crazy times. Have you found during this time frame, as I know I have, that as much fear that has floated around and as much negativity and division and all kinds of stuff going on in the last year, have you found a whole lot of positive and a whole lot of opportunities plunked in front of me. Mm -hmm. Has that happened with you and your family? Absolutely. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. I mean, first of all, I think I've gotten a tremendous amount of clarity on who I am and who I'm called to serve and what I stand for and what I'm okay with and what I'm not okay with and how people treat each other. And um, I feel like that's been a new thing. And I feel like, you know, we were talking a little bit beforehand. There was a book opportunity that presented itself. I too started a podcast a few months ago. Like I feel like it's it's almost taken this fear that I have had internally and just taken it away. And I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I like how you said it's, it's given you clarity because mm -hmm. so many are just still in this swirl of fear. And I feel the same way. So many things have become or have been made very clear for me, very clear for me going, all right, well, I'm not supposed to do that anymore. I guess I'm supposed to do this. Okay. Yes, I am. I'm supposed to do this now. Amazing. It, I love that. The clarity. It has certainly brought clarity. You mentioned podcast. I didn't know you had your own. So what's the name of your podcast? Mondays with Melissa. It's a baby podcast. I just started it like two months ago. <laughs> well, that's when I started mine two months ago. Mine awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I just did Yours it. It doesn't seem like a baby podcast though. <laughs> it is. It is. Now, what was the name again? I'm sorry. No, you're all right. Mondays with Melissa. So you do those on Thursdays, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this week, yeah, it did go out on social media on Wednesday. <laughs> I love it. So what is it? What's what do you what do you what's your topics on Mondays with Melissa? Health, wellness, life, um, things I see in the world. It's kind of a free-for-all. <laughs> I kind of like let fear bounce. <laughs> Well, there's an awful lot. There's an awful lot to talk about. And there sure is, you know, yeah. health, wellness, life that encompasses a whole lot. Oh. And it's all connected. I mean, you yes, can't, I think we try to separate it and cut it off. Like my grandma did the picture, but you can't. No, <laughs> no. So put the scissors away, grandma. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. This was absolutely wonderful. I, I have to thank you for being on. I truly enjoyed this conversation. I want to catch up with you again sometime in the future you had mentioned that you have a book that's kind of like sitting on the mental shelf you need to get that going um yes so when you do get that going i want you back on but i also want to hear more about the anthology mm -hmm. when that comes out when did you say that that was coming out i think a few weeks oh soon okay yeah yeah i think it's available for kindle i want to say next 
but I'm not entirely sure. Oh, wow. Very cool. Very cool. Finding diamonds, correct? Correct. All right. I am looking forward to reading it. Looking forward Thank to you. it. So if you wouldn't mind sharing one little tip that our listeners can take away with them today and, and put into practice for themselves. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and this applies to anything, I think, emotional eating, fear, um, relationships, is to replace judgment with curiosity. I love that. It's been a game changer for me in everything with my life, because I think it's so easy to be quick to judge and rush to a conclusion. But if we get curious and we start asking questions, there might be some things that we didn't see before that weren't, we didn't have the whole, whole piece of the story. So right. we can replace judgment with curiosity. It, it might change some things for the positive. I, I agree with that. Continually um, seek knowledge mm -hmm. and don't, you know, don't let yourself stay stuck or be stuck. I love that. Replace judgment with curiosity. That's a great title for a book. There's a little, hint? <laughs> there's a, yeah, I'm taught again, again, the listeners can't see me, but I'm tossing <laughs> through the screen at her. <laughs> it's a great title for a book. It is. It's wonderful. Jot that down. Yeah, the writer downer. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much. Thank you again. This was just, this was lovely. I absolutely loved getting to talk to you and get to know you a little bit better and about what it is that you do and how you help folks. And it's all in such a positive way. And it's all God led. Absolutely love it. Well, thank you, Kim. It was awesome. I love connecting with you and getting to know you. And I'm excited for what God has for us because I don't think this will be the last time we're in touch. <laughs> I don't think so either. I don't think so either. <laughs> all right. You have a wonderful, wonderful day.